0: Chapter Four of A Mysterious Disappearance by Lewis Tracy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Caroline Chapter Four, Number Sixty-One, Rayleigh Mansions. Really, the maid deserved to have her ears pulled. People in her walk in life should not ape their betters, Lady Dyke, owing to her position was entitled to some degree of oddity or mystery in her behaviour but for a lady's maid to so upset the entire household at wensley house portman square was intolerable sir charles became if possible more miserable the butler fumed the housekeeper said that the girl was always a forward minx and the footman winked at buttons as much as to say that he knew a good deal if he liked to talk the police were as greatly baffled by this latter incident as by its predecessor the movements of the maid were quite unknown no one could tell definitely when she left the house her fellow-servants described the dress she probably wore as all her other belongings were in her bedroom but beyond the fact that her name was jane harding and that she had not returned to her home in Lincolnshire, the police could find no further clue. So, in brief, Jane Harding quickly joined Lady Dyke in the limbo of forgetfulness. Bruce, however, forgot nothing. Indeed, he rejoiced at this new development. "'The greater the apparent mystery,' he communed, "'the less it is in reality.' we now have two tracks to follow. They are both hidden, it is true, but when we find one, it will probably intersect the other. The new year was a few days old, when Bruce made his first step through the bewildering maze which seemed to bar progress on every side. He received a report from the man, a pensioned police officer, who had conducted a painstaking search into the history and occupation of every inhabitant of Raleigh mansions? Two items the barrister fastened on to at once at number twelve top floor right entrance by first door on sloane square side is a small flat occupied by a man named Sydney H. Corbett. He passes as an American but is probably an Englishman who has resided in the United States. He does not mix with other Americans in London, and is of irregular habits. He frequents race meetings and sporting clubs, is reported to belong to a piccadilly club where high play is the rule, and has no definite occupation. He occasionally visits a lady who lives at number 61, same mansions, ground floor, and sixth door. They have been heard to quarrel seriously, and the dispute appears always to have concerned money. Corbett went to Monte Carlo early in December. His address there is Hôtel du Cercle, and the local post-office has a supply of stamped and addressed envelopes in which to forward his correspondence. At number 61, as already described, resides Mrs. Gwendolyn Hilmer she lives in good style rents a brougham and a victoria and is either a wealthy widow or maintained by some one of means she dresses well and goes out a good deal to theatres but otherwise leads a rather lonely life her most frequent visitor is or was a gentleman who looked like an officer in the guards and much less often "'the aforesaid Sydney H. Corbett. "'Her servants, except the maid, live out. "'The maid, who is a sort of companion, "'is talkative, but does not know much, "'or, if she does, will not speak.' "'Bruce weighed these statements very carefully. "'They did not contain any positive facts "'that promised well for the elucidation "'of Lady Dyke's visit to the mansion "'on that fateful November evening,' but the absolute colorlessness of the reports concerning the other occupants rendered them quite impossible of individual distinction after an hour of puzzled thought the barrister finally decided upon a course of action he would see mrs gwendoline Hilmer, and trust to luck in the way of discoveries a quiet smile lit up his handsome regular features as he proceeded to array himself in the most fashionable clothes he possessed, paying the utmost attention to every detail in a manner that amazed his valet. When at last that worthy was dispatched to the nearest florists for a boutonniere, he communicated his bewilderment to the hall porter. "My governor's going out on the mash," he said confidentially. "I thought he would never look at a woman, but bless you, Jim, we're all alike." When the day comes, we all rush after a petticoat. It was nearly six o'clock when Bruce walked down Victoria Street. For some reason, he did not call a hansom, and it was almost with a start that he found himself purchasing a ticket to Sloane Square at the Underground Railway office. At this precise hour and place, he had last seen Lady Alice on Earth. The memory nerved him to his purpose. A few minutes later he pressed the electric bell of number sixty one Rayleigh Mansions. As he listened to the slight jar of the indicator within, he smiled at the apparent fatuity of his mission. He had one card, perhaps a weak one, to play, it was true, but he hoped that circumstances might prevent this from being tabled too early in the game. The door opened and a youthful housemaid stood before him, the simple wonder in her eyes showing that such visitors were rare. Is Mrs. Hilmer at home? he said. I'll see, sir, if you give me your name. Surely you know whether or not she is at home? The girl stammered and blushed at this unexpected query. Well, sir, she said, my mistress is in, but I do not know if she can receive any one. She is dressed to go out. Ah, that's better. Now take her my card and say that, while I will not detain her, my business is very important. This with a sweet smile that put the flourished maid entirely at her ease. The girl withdrew, after hesitating for a moment to decide the important question as to whether or not she should close the door in his face. Another smile and she did not. He was thus free to note the luxurious and tasteful air of the general appointments, for the entrance hall usually reveals much of the characteristics of the inmates. Here was every evidence of refinement and wealth. All the display had not been lavished on the drawing-room. As he waited, conscious of the fact that his colloquy with the servant had been overheard, a lady crossed from one room to the other at the end of the passage. Her smart but simple dress, and the quick scrutiny she gave him, as though discovering his presence accidentally, caused him to believe, rightly as it transpired, that this was the maid-companion described by his assistant. Not only had she obviously made her appearance in order to look at him, but the housemaid had carried his message to a different section of the flat. The girl returned. My mistress will see you in a few minutes, she said. Will you kindly step into the dining-room? He followed her, sat down in a position where the strong glare of the electric lamps would fall on any one who stood opposite, and waited developments. The furniture was solid and appropriate, the carpet rich, and the pictures, engravings for the most part, excellent. This pleasant room, warmed by a cheerful fire, impressed Bruce as a place much used by the household. Books and work-baskets were scattered about, and a piano, littered with music, filled a corner. There were a few photographs of persons and places, but he had not time to examine these before the lady of the house entered. Her appearance, for some reason inexplicable to the barrister himself, took him by surprise. She was tall, graceful, extremely good-looking, and dressed in a style of quiet elegance. Just the sort of woman one would expect to find in such a well-appointed abode, yet more refined in manner than Bruce, from his knowledge of the world, thought he would meet, "'judging by the hasty interference drawn from his subordinate's report. "'She was self-possessed, too. "'With calm tone and slightly elevated eyebrows, she said, "'You wish to see me, I understand?' "'Yes. Allow me to first apologize for the hour at which I have called. "'No apologies necessary. But I am going out.' Perhaps you will be good enough not to detain me longer than is absolutely necessary. She stood between the table and the door. Bruce, who had risen at her entrance, was at the other side of the room. Her words, no less than her attitude, showed that she desired the interview to be brief. But the barrister resolved that he would not be repelled so coolly. Advancing... With a bow and that fascinating smile of his, he said, pulling forward a chair, "'Won't you be seated?' The lady looked at him. She saw a man of fine physique and undoubted good breeding. She hesitated. There was no reason to be rude to him, so she sat down. Claude drew a chair to the other side of the hearth rock, and commenced— I have ventured to seek this interview for the purpose of making some inquiries i thought so are you a policeman the words were blurted out impetuously a trifle complainingly but bruce gave no sign of the interest they had for him good gracious no he cried why should you think that because two detectives have been bothering me and every other person in these mansions about some mysterious lady who called here two months ago. They don't know where she called, nor will they state her name, as if anyone could possibly know anything about it. So I naturally thought you were on the same errand. Confound that rascal, White, growled he to himself. But Mrs. Hilmer went on. If that is not your business, would you mind telling me what it is? now bruce's alert brain had been actively engaged during the last few seconds this woman was not the clever specious adventurers he had half expected to meet it seemed more than ever unlikely that she could have any knowledge of lady dyke or the causes that led to her disappearance he was tempted to frame some excuse and take his departure but the certainty that his missing friend had visited rayleigh mansions "'and the necessity there was "'for exploiting every line of inquiry "'impelled him to adopt his last resource. "'It is not concerning a missing lady, "'but concerning a missing gentleman "'that I have come to see you. "'The shot went home. "'Why, for the life of him, he could not tell, "'but his companion was manifestly disturbed at his words. "'Oh,' she said. "'Then, after a little pause, may i ask his name certainly he is known as mr sydney h corbett she gave a slight gasp why do you put it that way is not that his right name i have reason to believe it is not mrs hillmer was so obviously distressed that bruce inwardly reviled himself for causing her so much unnecessary suffering in all probability the source of her emotion had not the remotest bearing upon his quest. Then came the pertinent query, after a glance at his card, which she still held in her hand. "'Who are you, Mr.—Mr. Mr. Claude Bruce?' "'I am a member of the bar, of the inner temple. My chambers are number seven paper buildings, and my private residence is given there.' and why are you so interested in mr sydney corbett ah in this respect i am at this moment unable to enlighten you unable or unwilling he indulged in a quiet piece of fencing really mrs hillmer he said i am not here as in any sense hostile to you i merely want some detailed information with regard to this gentleman information which you may be able to give me, that is all. All this time he knew that the woman was scrutinizing him narrowly, trying to weigh him up as if it were not because she feared him, but rather to discover the true motive of his presence. Personally, he had never faced a more difficult task than this make-believe investigation— he could have laughed at the apparent want of connection between Lady Dyke's ill-fated visit to Raleigh Mansions, and this worrying of a beautiful, pleasant-mannered woman, who was surely neither a principal nor an accomplice in a ghastly crime. "'Well, I suppose I may consider myself in the hands of counsel. Tell me what it is you want to know,' Mrs. Hilmer pouted, with the air of a child about to undergo a scolding. "'Are you acquainted with Mr. Corbett's present address?' he said. "'No. I have neither seen him nor heard from him since early in November. "'Can you be more precise about the period?' "'Yes, perhaps,' she arose, took from a drawer in the sideboard a packet of bills, receded, he observed, searched through them, and found the document she sought.' I purchased a few articles about that time, she explained, and the account for them is dated November fifteenth. I had not seen my—she blushed, became confused, laughed a little, and went on. I had not seen Mr. Corbett for at least a week before that date, say, November 8th or ninth. Lady Dyke disappeared on the evening of the 6th. Bruce swallowed his astonishment at the odd coincidence of dates, for he said, with an encouraging laugh, "'Out with it, Mrs. Hilmer. You were about to describe Mr. Corbett correctly when you recollected yourself.' Mrs. Hilmer, still colouring and becoming saucily cheerful, cried, "'Why should I trouble myself when you, of course, know all that I can tell you, and probably more? He is my brother,' "'and a pretty tiresome sort of relation, too. "'I am obliged for your confidence. "'In return, I am free to state "'that your brother is now in the south of France. "'As you are here, Mr. Bruce,' she said, "'I may as well get some advice gratis. "'Can people rid him in the south of France? "'Can they ask me to pay his debts?' "'Under ordinary circumstances they can do neither. "'Certainly not the latter.' I hope not, but they sometimes come very near to it, as I know to my cost. Indeed, how? Mrs. Hillmer hesitated. Her smile was a trifle scornful, and her color rose again as she answered, People are not averse to taking advantage of circumstances. I have had some experience of this trade in debt collectors already, but they must be careful. You, as a legal man... "'Must know that demands urged on account of personal reasons "'may come very near to levying blackmail. "'Surely, Mrs. Hilmer, you do not suspect me of being a dun. "'Perish the thought. "'You could never be in debt to me. "'Very nice of you. "'Don't you represent those people of Leadenhall Street, then? "'What people?' "'Monsieur's Dodge and Company.' "'No. Why do you ask?' because my brother entered into what he called a deal with them. He underwrote some shares in a South African mine as a nominal affair, he told me, and now they want him to pay for them, because the company is not supported by the public. No, I do not represent Dodge and Company. Is there something else, then? Whom do you represent? To be as precise as permissible, I may say that my inquiries in no sense affect financial matters. What then? Well, there is a woman in the case. Mrs. Hillmer was evidently both relieved and interested. No, you don't say, she said. Tell me all about it. I never knew Bertie to be much taken up with a fair sex. I am all curiosity. Who is she?' He did not take advantage of the mention of a name which in no way stood for Sydney. Besides, perhaps the initials stood for Herbert. He resolved to try another tack. Glancing at his watch, he said, It is nearly seven o'clock. I have already detained you an unconscionable time. You were going out. Permit me to call again, and we can discuss matters at leisure. He rose, and the lady sighed. "'You were just beginning to be entertaining. "'I was only going to dine at a restaurant. "'I am quite tired of being alone.' "'Was it a hint?' "'You would see. "'Are you dining by yourself, then, Mrs. Hilmer?' "'I hardly know. "'I may bring my maid.' "'Claude now made up his mind. "'May I venture,' he said, "'after such an informal introduction,' To ask you to dine with me at the Prince's Restaurant, and afterwards perhaps to look in at the Jollity Theatre. The lady was unfeignedly pleased. She arranged to call for him in her brougham within twenty minutes, and Bruce hurried off to Victoria Street in hansom to dress for this unexpected branch of the detective business. When he told his valet to telephone to the restaurant and the theatre respectively for a reserve table and a couple of stalls, that Worthy chuckled. When his master entered a brougham, in which was seated a fur-wrapped lady, the valet grinned broadly. I knew it, he said. The governess on the marsh. Now who would ever have thought it of him? End of chapter four.